Welcome to Anything, the podcast where your regular hosts, Matt Aiken, Emily Garces and Alex Willingham, try to tackle life's intriguing questions, gain a little more understanding of people, society, the universe, and of course, ourselves, through the medium of conversation. In this first season, we'll be diving into the art of communication, asking why it's often so hard to understand and to be understood. We'll be probing such diverse concepts as free speech and free will, identity and entropy. We certainly don't have all the answers, but we'll be sure to ask the questions. Welcome everybody to today's episode of the Anything Podcast. We're going to be opening the conversation into what it means to communicate and we'll be asking why it's so damned hard. It should be easy, right? Well, let's find out. I would like to ask you a very, very pertinent question. Well, then. That given that we as a species all have the power of language and are all fluent in it. Ooh, that's pushing it. As adults. Also pushing it. And that fluent communication is a really easy thing to do, right? I've had a thought that's in my head. And I want that thought to be in your head. Yeah? So Communication is an easy thing to do. Are they words that just came out of your mouth? I did say ostensibly, to be fair. It should be an easy thing to do to communicate. You have a thought. You articulate said thought in words, which is how you transmit them over the air through the medium of sound to another person who then absorbs that and has the same thought. Or we can do it through written media, whatever. Why is it then... That universally, as a species, we're all so rubbish at it. So I don't think communication should be easy. So you think my because I think what we're trying to do is actually really complicated. And I think one of the reasons that, in fact, that's brilliant. What a great question because it's led me to the realization that one of the reasons that communication is so hard is because we assume it should be easy. So we don't put in all the hard work to say. What I'm going to do now is really blooming complicated. So I'm going to just take my time, I'm going to really focus on it. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to check it afterwards. I'm not going to presume that the other person's going to understand me. Yeah. And that 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 hits to the heart of a, a tenet that I hold dear to me, that in communication, whether it's a dialogue or in... You creaked whether that's in dialogue or in group communication, it is the brain that is doing the sharing, not the brain that is doing the receiving, that holds all of the responsibility of ensuring that that transmission and receipt is completed. You're coming out with them today, aren't you? But Because without that, it's very easy to just say something and effectively walk away and assume that what you've said has been understood in the way that you meant it. Yeah. And especially if it's a, a request for action. Yeah. Then those things can often easily get misinterpreted. So I always say, you know, if if you are not sure that the person has understood what you're saying, you need to do something about that. You can't simply just shout at a room and bugger off. Otherwise, you might as well be tweeting. I like to... Um... Yeah, you you think about things like that, and it's just that's really annoying. That's like part of the main stress of my life. So it's kind of quite nice when you have little things that actually help you do that. And one of mine is get the person to say it back to you what you said. Mm. Say the thing, get them to repeat it back to you in their own words, and 
it makes conversations probably twice as slow, but at least you're actually having a conversation because it's it's hard. Listening is hard. Mm. It is, and often in those kind of like. So I think what you said was the responses of resounding no, not at all. <laughs> Regularly that happens. I was just looking up this quote which I love. I, this is saying it's Alan Greenspan, but I think it was somebody McSomebody when I dug deeper, but this is just a a quick Google. I know you think you understand what you thought I said, but I'm not sure you realise that what you heard is not what I meant. (laughs) I've I've got another one. Nailed it. That's good, isn't it? I've got another one, which was said by someone very old and wise, uh, Winnie the Pooh, obviously. Mm -hmm. Sometimes... Was uh, he old? Well, it's been around for a while now. He's got to be getting on a bit now. Yeah, but when he said it... Well, well, now he's old. Point, actually. Oh, when he, he said it, it was young. Yeah. Anyway, he was wise. Carry That's on. That's a fair objection. Sometimes you, when you think of things, they're quite thingish when they're inside your head, but it's quite different when they're out in the open and have other people looking at them. <sighs> you see, you can't beat that. Winnie the Pooh is so profound. That is really good. Mm. I would like a poo in my house to remind me of things like that. In my head, quite often... There's nothing really. It's quite empty. Oh, yeah. There's not a lot going on. And I say things and maybe write it down or maybe say it out loud or have it recorded or listen back and go, where the hell did that come from? That wasn't in my head. Some of the things that we've just talked about, about making sure that you get yourself across and making sure that people repeat back to you. And whose responsibility it is. And whose responsibility it is. Uh, and actually how difficult it is. I often find that in the workplace, it's much easier to... Um, and feels more natural to implement measures in your day-to-day communication yeah. with people that ensure that you are communicating yeah. properly. But to do that at home feels weird and feels alien and forced and a bit worky. The whole jargon, speaky, like there's a way that people speak and sound and act at work that's not not natural, natural. It's yeah, not themselves, you, you know. But the upsides to that at work is that there's a lot less miscommunication, or the miscommunication is given fewer opportunities to raise its its ugly and misfortunate head. Mm. Whereas at home, it's easier to be much lazier about your speech and how you communicate with your spouse and your parents and your kids. Yeah. Uh, and I guess you you are better known by them and expect to be understood, but more understood. I so you feel like you can be lazier without, I don't know, maybe not consciously. Like I wonder what you know the difference is between these two spaces. It's probably because in work there's a monetary value placed on time and home you can afford to not be efficient when it comes to time. Uh, and, and, I, I, <laughs> and I do well, think like... Yeah, I, I, having those conversations with family and why shouldn't we? Be efficient. Yeah, be efficient with time. Well, we all quite like being efficient. Uh, you know, I'm, I know we're not going to talk loads about education at this juncture, but I do think that those things, whether it's personality, um, in the sense of basic psychology at a low level that all humans, I think, should be aware of, or communication, or... There are just some fundamental things about being human that we know better now, that there are actually ways of articulating that I'm sure people are doing for younger people. 
And what you were teaching in a school and they said, what is it? Behaviour is now recognised as a form of communication. So, yeah, rather than just saying bad behaviour, punish it. It's more saying, what are they trying to communicate with that behaviour? And rather than getting stopping at the point of the behaviour and not going any further, you know, using the... the uh, actually, the teachers were told to be curious about the behaviour and what the, the behaviour was trying to communicate. Yeah, so I think there's a lot more, you know, that is wisdom that mm. actually could really make a difference. You were saying yourself, like these kids, if that's the basis that they're starting their educational life, you know, in that environment and learning from that position, they could be a whole different spectrum of humans, actually. Mm. Now, maybe that's being a bit rose-tinted. I'm not pointing that at you. There's there's so much knowledge that we now have as a species about how to to human better. Yes, exactly. And how to society better. Yeah. And yet that knowledge is in the hands of a scant few. Yeah. And 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 understood by fewer. Exactly. (laughs) It's often not been um, translated into a consumable format. You you know, you, you can find it if you know where to look or if you're really, really obsessed with finding out information in those fields, but it's not actually readily available. No, it's not at all. Hence the kind of conversations we have about, oh, you could have an app for that. Well, if you wrote an app for that, how would that work? Just, you know, there must be ways of modelling some of this stuff in a simpler format that's more accessible to more people. And I think communication is a classic contender for that. Why don't we teach communication at schools? It is actually the fabric of everything we do as humans. So why isn't there a... It's not easy to communicate the human experience. It's much easier to communicate facts and figures and stuff, like things, tangible things, like I want a drink or I went to the park. Yeah. But this thing happened to me and I felt and she said and he said and, and there's so much more to the to you know doing human the whole how to human experience than stuff yeah you know there is nuance that actually is it's not only difficult to articulate but it's actually difficult to process and even understand like at a fundamental level who am i what am i feeling yeah how did i feel during that experience so and what then what does that tell me? What do I do about that? Yeah, yeah. Then trying to communicate that to somebody else. I'm not surprised. People struggle. I struggle. It's really hard. Really, really hard. So, so often we talk about communication and we talk about words. We talk about the words that we use to communicate, the words that we use to get out the thing that's in our heads. And there's one story that my friend Peter Rowland, I've heard him tell. And he he is planning to meet up with a friend. And, you know, he says, okay, so we're going to this pub um, and I will see you there shortly and we can talk about that thing that we need to talk about. And he gets in the car, he drives for 40 minutes, he goes to the pub, his friend's not there. His friend's not there, he's not at the pub. And then he's like, hang on, there's a branch of this pub outside my house? And yet I got into my car and I drove for 40 minutes. So he calls up his friend in all honesty saying, mate, I had an appointment with you. I thought that I wanted us to have this conversation, but I didn't. My actions have betrayed me. I have got into the car and I I, I have deliberately come to the wrong place because I was not ready to have that conversation with you yet. And there's, Ooh, there's that's so, possibly putting two and two together and making five there after the event. 
But those sorts of things can happen. Our actions can betray our beliefs. Mm. We say that we believe that we um, love teenagers and young people and we are not scared by them and we don't judge them. We, we can say that to people, but then we find ourselves getting on the bus yep. and not sitting near the back because there were some guys there in hoodies and we didn't like the look of them. Mm. So suddenly our words uh, about our beliefs, are the things that we thought were in our heads, that we weren't racist or that we, you know, whatever it was, and suddenly we notice that our actions Don't are betraying us. And so there are, I think there are quite a few ways for us to kind of examine our communication and examine ourselves and try to kind of learn the different ways, not maybe not just words. Mm -hmm. Or actually, even in words, sometimes you can say words by accident. What There's a word for that, isn't there? When you... Um, it's not a spoonerism. Like it's a something... malapropism or whatever. Yeah, when right when one? you drop things in the and you're like, your Freudian slip. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And you can say something rude by accident, and you're like, oh, I didn't mean to say that, but like, did I? My mother, um, once when my ex husband was speaking in Spanish, my mother said, oh, he sounds like Hitler. <laughs> and then oh, I didn't mean to say that. You know, it's suddenly the wow, things that extreme. kind of pop out of your. I do think it's really dangerous trying to seek meaning in past events in hindsight like that because you can so easily just be unbelievably wrong and cause tremendous amount of hurt to yourself and to other people obviously um in doing stuff like that like why did i do that well i think once you've asked that question because there is no obvious answer you could say anything and you could make yourself feel like a complete monster like that, that guy who said, my thoughts have betrayed me, I've gone to the wrong pub. I mean, shit happens, you went to the wrong pub. The question like, is, how many times are you, for example, um, another story that he I've heard him say is that, oh, we're going to see my mother-in-law, can't find my car keys, can't find my car keys. Actually, a few months have gone by, the only time I ever lose my car keys is when I'm going to see my mother-in-law. I was going to say, sure, if you look at the patterns over time. So when time, there's a pattern then, yeah. over time, yeah. Yeah. that isn't just superstition, that is kind of maybe... But isn't that how superstitions grow yeah possibly you're making some good points yeah yeah i mean i yeah i mean i do try to always caveat things with well i'm not really sure but yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever it is so going back to what we were talking about in the beginning which was i have things in my head i want to put them in your head you have things in your yeah. head i want to put them in my head like I'm talking about not just communication, but where does communication go wrong? Our perceived idea of what communication is. So when we're trying to put something from our head into someone else's head, we've got an image of what their head looks like. So you're trying to, you know, you're trying to put things into a space. You you think you know what that space looks like. Mm, so but true. what but what if you've got that wrong? And I think that's where a lot of personality types and things like that yeah. come into. And we just took a, a brief toilet break and I used Al's beautiful downstairs toilet. And there's a little sign on the wall that says, I'm not crazy. It's just that my reality is different to your reality. So, you know, what reality are, uh, am I living in? What reality is the other person living in? And, you know, an example of that is um, a friend who was speaking to me recently about, um, you know, a, a relationship breakdown. And she is someone like me who is extrovert and is kind of in the NFP or a seven on the Enneagram. And it's like, oh, squirrel, something fun and shiny. Oh, I'm going to take up um, mountain biking. Oh, look at that. I've just learned how to skateboard. Oh, I've just painted a picture. And he is someone who is analytical 
and is career driven and all of these things. And I think she had an understanding of him as someone who was about, uh, you know, he was very much in the mind and he is, you know, methodical and is able to, you know, to, to use numbers and spreadsheets and all of those things. And she's someone who just follows her heart and her dreams. So going back to what Matt said about, um, you know, is it, do we come from the head or from the gut, etc. And able to actually look at her and say, no, you, like me, are coming from the head. And he is actually coming from the gut, I think. And so there's this, she had this understanding that she was communicating as this very heart-driven person to someone who was very in a headspace. And I was like, well, you know, obviously some of your communication there is going wrong because the space that you're trying to project into isn't quite the space that you thought it was. And the space that you're trying to project from, actually, you know, give yourself some credit. You're not just or woo and running after things that are flying past in the wind. You're actually quite driven by logic. Mm. Wow. So much to unpick there. Yes. Rant over. And personality. So I, yeah, all that. Personality is one element though, isn't it? It's, um, was it when you read out the definition that you Googled, did it say something about a common, common words or something? Ability to communicate using a common language, using and a common semiotics set of and symbols, basically um, signs, so, symbols, and semiotic semi conventions. So, yeah, so um, so personality, I think, plays into that. But so does culture. Yeah, um, we were talking earlier on about the difficulty of parenting. You come from these different cultures. Each family is its own unique culture. You're brought up by parents. Maybe it's awful. Maybe it's great. Maybe there were certain things you desperately want to do with your kids. And that's our reality, like, like the toilet sign. With, yeah. And that becomes your reality. And then you put two people together from basically two completely wildly different cultures a lot of the time. Um, and you've got to overcome that. And you're when you're communicating, you're communicating. You said that really well. You know, you're trying to put something into someone's head which you presume kind of looks like yours because that was parenting. You know what parenting is. You know what family life is. You've done that. And the shape of that in their head is just not at all familiar to the thing that you think you're projecting into. So you might have communicated really well yeah. for the head that you thought you were trying to yeah. put it into. <laughs> so you think there is no flaw in my communication. I've communicated well. So when you have someone who comes to you saying the universe is like this and blah, 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 blah. And you can sometimes take offense by that because you can think that's wrong. And actually I've got some friends who state their facts as this is what I believe today and tomorrow it might be different. And, you know, they're actually freer with um, what they class as their truth or what is real and what isn't. Then I take them credit for when they're speaking to me. So I can take offense and go, no, you're wrong. And they're like, yeah, I know I'm wrong. And that's kind of, that's okay. <laughs> Which is why I said earlier on, the, the whole personality thing is part of the communication piece. It's like not teaching from a young age, but, but even now everybody, there are so many people who just, and I don't, I don't understand loads of it. And I've spent, you know, it's kind of my hobby. If you like, I love understanding or getting better at understanding people and how people work and why we tick a certain way and what the differences are and how they manifest. And I do think without that information, it's really, really hard to communicate effectively. <laughs> and what comes into it as well is you know it's there are so many different layers so how many different layers can we name now you know there's personality what makes people different to us we tend to communicate as if we're communicating into the same brain that we're communicating from that's just not true so there's personality there's family culture yeah there's actual culture 
uh, you know, having lived in South America and in the Netherlands, both of those cultures are really different. What I love about the Dutch people is they look at you and go, you've got a spot on your face. Yeah. Or they'll just tell you, like, I don't so like blunt. you. Yeah. And I really disliked them in the beginning. And I thought that's too direct and that's hurtful. And then I experienced people in, in other cultures, actually in Venezuela, who didn't say things directly to you. They said it behind your back. It would go around 13 people before it came back to you. And then when I returned back to the Netherlands and people said the, the thought um, about me directly to my face, I thanked them. I thanked them. And I had a new perspective in which I was like, you are actually communicating well it's and directly kind. and yeah. it is kind yeah. it seems to be, really mean it seems but cruel, it's actually really kind but it's kinder than 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 saying that thing to someone else and not straight to me so it's so much perspective comes into it yeah. i think that's a really good example of where culture can determine how we communicate mm. you know that's a good example of whether to be direct or indirect because i don't think anybody would knowingly argue that lifting behind people's backs was an effective way of communicating. They would, because they'd say that it's rude to say it to someone's face. I'm being kind by not saying but, it I mean, directly. It's rude to talk about people behind their backs. Anyway, I mean, that's that's not really the topic. But that's your cultural background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, well, I mean, it's a great case in point. What I'm trying to mull over as I'm, as I'm listening is... Is is there a is there a fundamental that is culturally independent? You know, I mean, to put it a slightly more contentious way, like, is it is personality and culture an excuse for poor communication? Define excuse. Well. You know, do you mean reason? No, I mean excuse. I do mean excuse. No, because I think an excuse is something that you willingly and with awareness use to mask a choice. Yeah, people do. You've, we've all met those friends who just go, well, I've got no filter. Like you've just I'm said, not saying no one ever bit. does it, but if you're, you know, in, in Emily's example, the Dutch aren't rude. They don't mean to be rude. Now, they may know that as a national, you know, in the same way that, but there are stereotypes. Somebody has a spot. It's just an observation, isn't it? In your opinion, well, that's not an opinion. For symbols, it's just an observation. It's it's a factually correct statement. They have a spot. For symbols to be used as a tool in communication, you have to agree on what the symbol means. A symbol is a way of, of of sharing meaning, sharing a known meaning with other people. So, for example. In Argentina, you greet people with a kiss. It is a sign of respect. It's a sign of love, of kindness. It's a sign of welcome. It's a form of communication. So when I was in Argentina, some um, a, a large group of Korean people came into our space and I was in charge of welcoming them. I went to greet them with a kiss. They were so wildly offended that they left and didn't come back again. You see, because you have to have, you know, you have to be agreed it's on what the language. symbol means. Yeah. And if there is disagreement, the I think the only way really to to make that communication work is to have is to learn and to have a conversation. It is to learn the fact, OK, this ways, symbol though. means something different to them. 
surely that goes both ways. I mean, if you've come from Korea and gone all the way oh, to yeah, South America... Oh, yeah, of course America, it goes both ways. ...getting your arse in a twist because somebody embraced you in a different way than what you're normal to, it's like, that's on you, kiddo, isn't it? I mean, that's like, have have a sense of perspective. You're the one who's, if you yeah. like, in foreign grounds here. So, so basically, I learned that they hadn't learned that yet, and therefore I had some grace towards them. You know, there's ways of like, you, there's learning to be done. I think mm. the only way to to communicate better and to grow in understanding is actually through knowledge. And it's back to that yeah. thing about the kids, experience. you know, recognising that their uh, choice of behaviour is a form of communication. And I really like what you were saying about we need to communicate, we need to get what's inside us out, often so that we can see what it is, so that we can learn from it. And a lot of the time people don't learn from it. They get what's inside them at it out you know they react they don't hear themselves but they don't see themselves in the context so you know in this example maybe the korean people did that went away and went oh my goodness do you realize what we've done we've gone into someone else's culture and we've totally take offense about like their cultural norms because of ours that's really really hurtful why did we do that lesson learned maybe, maybe. they've gone away without seeing themselves in that context in the outside world and they haven't been able to say, oh, see what happened there. There were times in my life. But if, well, yeah. all I was going to say is, but if they'd never been there and they never had that experience, it's just in your own head. You know that that's right. That's normal. How many times have you in the course of life just had someone say something and gone, really? And you go, uh, yeah, doesn't everybody do that? And you discover it's something you've just never really challenged. It's just how your family always did it. You did it last year. A, a what? A scripture? That's not a word. That's like the scripture cloth. And a scripture to me is just, that's what my family have always called them. So I just presume everybody knows that's a word because no one said to me that that was a nonsense word and I've used it all my life and no one's ever said to me before, what's that word? So, so, so that's a language thing, right? A dialect thing, I guess, to be more specific. But they're quite easy to overcome. I think language problems and dialect problems, I'm miles away from my mic there. Language problems and dialect problems, I think are... Should be, should be the easiest ones to overcome because that's just information that one of us doesn't have that can be very easily corrected. I'm really interested to explore this idea, whether it's in the kind of Enneagram mold or not, but that trying to unpick this idea of you've got something in your head that you think you have formed an effective communication of because you're assuming that the space into which you're placing it is a certain shape, which is what you were talking about in terms of, and I don't, I don't necessarily care to give them labels like head and heart and stuff like that, but just the fundamental idea that a person saying 10 words in a row, which have agreed upon meaning, because it's English in this example, can be understood differently by somebody because of their quote-unquote personality or where they come out on a chart and stuff. I, I find that really difficult to understand how it can be so if the words are agreed upon. I find, that, that, I find that really hard. It's quite a loose concept, though, to say that words are agreed upon. I mean, well, they are. Well, I mean, the context got, as well. As, but words change, you know, language constantly changes. 
Yeah, all right. But again, the, you, it's not the 80-20 rule, is it? We're dealing with the extremes there. I, I think, it, you know, earlier on you said ostensi uh, ostensibly. Yeah. And I, I know what you mean, I think, but I checked because I don't actually know what that word means. I know what I take it to mean when it's used, generally. And if I looked it up in the dictionary, I'd probably go, oh, okay, so that's a bit more. Oh, yeah, okay, but, yeah. But that's fine. So you, did, but you didn't understand a word or weren't 100% sure and thought this might be important in that sentence, so I'll ask. And I would say that's a, a grown-up way of dealing with life, the universe, and everything. But what I'm so saying is a lot of people will word, use yeah. words without questioning the fact that it doesn't mean quite what someone else. The word is not the object. The word no. is a metaphor. It's um, a symbol, yeah. which is a symbol of the object or a story. And and we've all got you well, know me metaphors a whole new layer. But that's what a word is. It's not. Because a word is not the thing. Again, agreed upon language metaphor is just that's not what that means. You know, it, it's an image. Me again, metaphor doesn't have to be an image. You know, a metaphor has a very specific meaning as to what a metaphor is. It's when you say something and the meaning is inferred to mean something different. So when you use a word in a way in which the meaning isn't what the word means. That's a metaphor. <laughs> Matt's face. <laughs> oh, I think I lost the plot somewhere there. Anyway, I think what my my point is, I, I don't want to distract on what metaphors mean, but it, it's it's a symbol is what it is. And that symbol hasn't agreed upon meaning whether it's colloquial dialect doesn't matter we all agree upon the meanings of the words and if we don't that's dead easy to correct like i don't necessarily i'm not sure what like yeah. scripture or whatever it is yeah. i haven't heard that before yeah now you know it, it, are, are we potentially uncovering something here is this a moment of light bulb we can put something on the whiteboard and go hey we learned something that when people don't understand you one the wider you rather than risk feeling or sounding foolish by asking they don't ask and therefore they never got the full meaning of what was being said anyway and took away something different and perhaps a lot of miscommunication and misunderstanding can be down to actually i don't know what those words mean in mm. that order mm. But rather than say uh, that, rather than asking, actually, what do you mean by I've definitely experienced in that, that. In, in that? Yeah, instance. I think there is, there are cases of that. I think you were going to say something earlier on. Got no, I've definitely that both in a business context where you have to work quite hard to maintain a culture where you should ask questions even if they feel stupid because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what we're about. We're about asking the stupid questions and making sure that we are clearly communicating. Otherwise, time and money, money is wasted. Yeah. Um, and also, like you, being rather more verbose than I might like to be. Uh, I've heard people say, like good friends who are bold enough and honest enough to just come out with it, say, does anyone else have a clue what he just said? Because I don't know what he's on about. I need more of those people in my life. <laughs> Thank you, George. <laughs> Dave, brilliant. If you find yourself enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing or leaving a review. It all really helps and we'd love to hear from you. This podcast and lots of other bonus content are available ad-free for as little as a pound on our Patreon. But, I mean, to bring it back to what the, the reason we, we kind of got a little bit sidetracked here is I was asking the question, and I, I guess I am still asking the question, of, or I'm trying to understand how personality... I, I totally get the culture thing, because that's quite a big meta, isn't it? Culture yeah. is like, a, it's like this layer over and above of 
actions, intonations, subtext, the said, the unsaid, like there's a whole layer of cultural communication. But personality, you know, two people raised in the same family with different personalities. So they would have a different Enneagram and a different MBTI and their communication style would be a different color, whatever it is, whatever wanky meeting you've been to at work with whiteboards, (laughs) you know, they're, they're different in all of these things. How does that then manifest itself in such a way that listening to words can have different meaning when those words are symbols, that's where we last digressed, that are agreed upon? Okay, so you are speaking, were you going to answer that before I jump in? You, you were speaking from the point of view of an analyst who thinks first and foremost. An analyst who's trying to understand. I'm saying I'm currently yeah, yeah. sat here in ignorance and I but just don't get it. Your, your communication style, if you like, I don't know if that's like a, in capitals and therefore I don't yeah, know what I'm talking about, but the lowercase version of communication style is to hear words immediately... I think if, like me, you, you're thinking define your terms, citation needed, you know, that your just experience of the world is, what do you mean by that? What is meant by that? What, well, what's the baseline for this? Am I understanding correctly? Because that's how you're wired. Yeah. It's easy for you to say, well, how can people not understand? Because they can just ask if they don't know what it means. It's not about how can't they understand. No, that's uh, just wrong words. Like, yeah. But why don't they ask if they don't understand? Well, it's, it's not even that. It's like how... If we've all got the same information and they do understand, how can they misunderstand? I guess I think that's more what I'm asking. I think we always misunderstand. I don't think there's ever complete understanding. And I I think that's the issue. I think if you're gonna use words like, you know, communicate effectively or or understand the thing, which is the fact. And I think any term that ends up being just really kind of definite um, always just gets my hackles up slightly. Because I think communication is always i don't think communication is never without flaw mm. i think it's always with flaw and that is because you know if even like if i say the word water like my my memories around water my response to water is going to be different to someone who's like nearly drowned once yeah. you're going to say the word water they're going to have a reaction to it and even if those differences are really really subtle ones um, they're real. They're real differences, mm. and so you know, even even with simple, simple, very, very clear language, our you know, it's going to change from the transmission of the sentence into the reception of the sentence. It's gonna it's it's gonna be a different product slightly. So communication is never gonna be completely perfect. No, I, I would I would agree with that. I think I think you can come close in the right circumstances but i think quite close enough as to be like it's a one not a zero like i think you nailed it if you're twins (laughs) no i'm not even twins and and again you know it's easy in these kind of conversations where we're trying to understand things that are hard to understand that you end up talking more about extremes than the norm but i think the problem lies more in the norm than the extremes i think the extremes can be more easily understood because they are extreme and i think my my own observation of, you know, whatever it is, 20, 30 years in, in work and 40 odd years of life is it's the day to day stuff that's so easily misunderstood and miscommunicated. Put that both sides of the fence. Whereas if you've got a dialect problem or a language problem, that's that's fine i can i can get that because that's missing information that's a jigsaw piece you can get and put in and you can see more of the picture um what i don't understand is how and why 
personality. I'm just, I'm really interested in understanding why different people who have all of these other pieces in place, they've got the same dictionary, they've got the same parents, maybe, and I don't, I don't know of examples where this might be the case, because it's certainly not the case of my sister, we communicate very easily. But how different personalities could take different meaning from the same words that have the same meaning. Um, the only explanation I can come up with is this: is the dreaded subtext. Oh yeah, well, what he really meant was, you know, yeah. we, we, well. Okay, so you know, what, is that it? I don't, I don't what know. What I would I, suggest is this: I, I think the simplest way that I could say what I think is the answer is, it comes down to the fact that each person inhabits fully their own narrative. So I think, you know, forget about it. it. Almost doesn't matter whether you call you know personality is a collection of traits. I guess I don't know if that's a real definition, but it seems to me you yeah, can, okay. you could define a personality as a collection of traits. You can look at, you know, mental health issues. Uh, there are traits that are common to certain um, responses. You know, people can be traumatized and behave in a certain way. You have a series of traits that you are currently operating you operate within under whatever you have yeah. some traits um and they're one element of it so when you say why does why does personality make a difference why you know and i think there probably is some truth in that so you could say you know somebody might just catastrophize everything if someone says um oh the car's broken down immediately they're like oh my goodness how are we going to get the kids in time the kids are probably going to it's a disaster everything's gone wrong so there's a there's a part which is the trait mm -hmm. but i think the bigger deal someone else might hear the car's broken down and be like okay so let's solve that what do i need to do with the yeah. cog start going yeah, yeah. this is this is about response isn't it? That's so that's what so when i talk about that's... traits i i guess i mean the way you would respond in isolation there's a thing and yeah. there's something and it's not necessarily a permanent thing personality probably is in my opinion more of a, a fixed thing but there are there are healthy and unhealthy traits that we all yeah. either maybe do and don't know that we have and and change through life but those happen within the context of your overarching narrative and you're, it could be a simple thing like today is just a bad day. Everything has gone wrong today. And then you get a piece of news. And it's happened to me. You know, I'm, I'm pretty objective about those sorts of things. I tend to be fairly easygoing about bad news. But there are days when you just go, oh, my goodness, this as well. Or someone else might be like, I've got a lot of things to do. I don't have the time. The car's broken down. Amazing. I can stay in bed. Well, at no point has anybody been misunderstood here. They've just... Chosen. So, chosen is the wrong word. They just reacted in a, an unexpected way. So my point about the narrative is you will have a different um, understanding of what is happening to you in those contexts. So that's not communication, yeah. that's experience. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you will yeah. choose to understand it differently. No, maybe not even choose, but you will understand it differently depending on a collection of your traits and the narrative in which you are living. So... In an I unhealthy, I, I can't, I can't sit that sentence anywhere in my head. What do you mean? I can't park it. You will, you will. I'll, I'll dump the word choose again as well. But you will understand something differently depending on your narrative. Yeah. I, I understand. Okay. How you might respond differently, but 
And maybe that's maybe that's all it is. It is. Maybe that's all it is. It is. It, that's and, exactly and what it the, is. The if if miscommunication is perceived down the line, that might be with hindsight to plaster over something. Oh, I didn't really understand what you said. I didn't understand that bit. Well, miscommunication is blamed rightly for a lot of woe. In yeah. the world, yeah. Um, I'm I'm spitballing here, but maybe the in these instances where somebody's response might make it appear like they didn't understand, and later after the dust has settled, it's put down to miscommunication to plaster over a deeper problem, which is actually I'm in a really bad place right now. And that's not what I need to be dealing with, or whatever. I mean, it might be I'm in a really good place, and I, you know, I, I don't want to put any particular color on that. But if if you've behaved in or acted in a certain way that was not expected by the person with whom you were communicating, that's not necessarily a communication issue. Well, that's, uh, isn't that an? Uh, uh, I think it is. So let's take here's an example, and this is where you said the dreaded subtext, and yes. I think you're right. But I think the point is, as subtext is, it is a um, narrative. It's a narrative element, yeah. So, which is why I think you're right that it's subtext, but I think that it's fundamentally about the overarching narrative. So, you imagine being someone who has, I don't know, been, yeah. you know, um, mugged by a tattooed guy in an alley or you've been, I don't know, raped, or some traumatic experience has happened to you at the hands of a certain type of person that you don't normally hang out with, you're alone in a bar, and that type of person walks in. Okay? Okay, yeah. And then they say to you, can I get you a drink? What do you understand? Mm-hmm. Because that's communication. Yeah, yeah, that's not yeah, yeah, just... Yeah. It, but how do you separate communication from response? You yeah, can't. Good, you are inhabiting a narrative in which you interpret their communication and therefore you understand from your mm, end of the communication in the context yeah. of the narrative. So it is all about subtext. Yeah. Which okay. is story, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Right. It's story. I so, say that very definitively. I've no, just no, no, made no. that up. But that I, I think that's a, very, that's, a very, that's a very useful example, actually. And... Again, this so this this does go slightly then to a, a a deeper level that in some way there's no such thing as reality, right? Like you know, I can't tell you what red is. Mm, yeah, we all seem to agree and be able to point at something that's red, but we actually don't have any clue what red is or what other people experience red. It's really hard to describe a color to a blind person, for example. Yeah, yeah it's really yeah. really hard if not impossible. I, don't, I certainly wouldn't know how to do it. Um, I don't know why I said that now. Come on, I was just about to get this. Yeah, so it's about translation. That's where I was going. I was going there too. Um, <laughs> and so our, our experience, and we come back to this word again, our, our experience of the universe is 100% filtered. Everything. Yeah. We, do, we don't get an unfiltered experience of the universe. We get a constructed experience of the universe of what it is to touch to feel to smell all of these things um and language has to pass through those filters so whilst those 10 words from person a get into the brain of person b 
they're never going to be able to do that entirely unfiltered and so the first thing is to get to use your example is what's this person's motive why are they asking me if they can buy me a drink and of course the media comes to etc 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 so is it through this filter that it then becomes translated into all of the other context and subtext and the meaning that we take away that we store in our hearts heads whatever actually once it's passed through this filter it's quite different from the input that was provided by the person that, trying to do that's my understanding of how communication works certainly so so my thing if speech i can was, get on board with that if, if speech <laughs> was poetry if speech was poetry no or do we receive speech like it's poetry do we listen on two on, on two levels so someone's saying i don't know it's probably a bad example but they can i buy you a drink you know there's there's, there's two stories there there were the actual words can i oh, yeah. buy you a drink so the communication like you tend to i think i'll hear it is that i understand it is being communicated this is a man who wants to buy me a drink he is asking this question we are both hearing the same thing so i think there are quite often when it comes to communication there are various um levels so if you read mm -hmm. a poem there are the actual words of the poem which is yes those words are being communicated from one brain to another brain here are seven words they are being written down or spoken th th those seven words are being received but then it's also what do those words represent and that second layer of meaning it's like when it comes to translation you know you're translating a text which which way do you translate a text do you translate it literally word for word and you say yes this is accurate to the original or is the accurate to the original, the version of the text, which is which is translated at the heart of the text? What were they actually saying? Mm -hmm. And, the, and the, the issue is with that second version of translation, you can't say this is definitely what they were saying because you don't know. No, you get that a lot with biblical translations, don't you? Of where course. it's the, uh, what's the word? Um, oh. Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics, Hermeneutics yeah. yeah. The, 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 the hermeneutical translation is taking all of that cultural, cultural context, context uh, um, what was just de rigueur, if you like, for those mm. people. It's like, what? of course we know what it means to call that person a Samaritan. That immediately triggers yeah. this, 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 and this. I know exactly where you're at. You just set the scene. Yeah. So what would happen if we had a conversation about that? Do you know, imagine you have an argument and uh, someone says something to, you know, can you wash the dishes, for example? So what if you were able to bring this into conversation and actually have that, uh, that conversation with someone in which you say, okay, I've heard your actual words. You're asking me to wash the dishes. What I've also heard is that you're telling me that I've not washed the dishes all, all week and that you're furious this is my narrative. Is that what you meant? Was that your narrative? Obviously, you want me to wash the dishes, which of course I would do. But is my narrative the same as yours? Are you also saying this? Or are you actually simply just saying, could you now wash the dishes? You're basically just calling me useless, aren't you? That's... But, yeah, but that's but the I ultimate mean, expression yeah, yeah. of that. If, that's, the, that's, if, the, open, it, if the open acknowledgement of communication and conversation mm -hmm. was, okay, you know, this is a poem here. Let's unpick it. Let's sit down calmly together and say, this. It, these are the actual words. Yes, we've checked that. We've both heard the actual words correctly. Someone wasn't speaking too quietly or whatever, that we couldn't hear them. So could you explain your narrative and my narrative? And the wonderful thing about narratives is that both of them are often true and often they can both be um, in complete apparent conflict hmm. whilst both being true. And I think when you listen to people and you say, okay, um, this is my narrative, I want to understand your narrative, and then we can talk about how those narratives interact 
and can they interact in a way which is gentle and that, not that's too... the handbook i think that's what goes in the handbook i think that's nailed it and that's what people say yeah, isn't it you should really good you should um so going back to what i was saying about being able to implement certain uh routines in your work life that then harder to do in your home life because because they were just ugh, effort you know imagine if like if you're going to study in uh literature you're studying english you're going to study a poem or a, or a piece of text you print it out in school you put annotations all around it you just look at it from all angles you get curious about it you unpick the cultural context how about you know we had a conversation with someone in our household and we just recorded that one minute snippet of conversation you printed it out you've got you've got one piece of paper each and you can look at it and you can underline things and you can cross reference things and if we had to, if we attacked our home life with the same kind of like lethal sense of kind of curiosity and interest that we do for um things that we study like we study things and quite often we study things that are so abstract you know we history and things and people in other countries and but how about if we actually studied ourselves and we studied people close to us with that same sort of level of effort well what i was actually going to say is i think a lot of people that's not where they are you know so it's all very well saying i can say look you said these words and i understand the words but i also feel like you said this other stuff because that's like the world i inhabit you've got to be hyper aware to even know those things in a way you could communicate to recognize that that's what happened in that moment. Well, like you said, it's not in the manual, is it? Because nobody wrote the manual. No, nobody more likely you just go, yes, I can do the dishes or you go, yep. And there's that internal reaction and you don't go, why am I having that? I'm having an internal reaction. What's it about? Oh, it's because this is my narrative because we've just, we don't, we're not aware enough that that's what we should be doing. Some people I'm sure are, and I guess that's when people mm. talk about emotional intelligence. They're talking about at one end of the spectrum, people are absolutely living exactly like that all of the time. And at the other end, people are just completely unaware of it. But I would say there's more of the unawareness. And partly I think that's it's really hard to get away from that because you are you're kind of in your it when because you're in your own narrative, you're kind of necessarily blind because it's so subjective, because human existence is. So you can't see yourself from outside. You can't yeah, recognise yeah, yeah. your behaviours yeah. from a more objective standpoint because you're in your narrative and it yeah. makes sense in your narrative. Yeah. Well, your your narrative um, means that not only are all of the external inputs filtered, but your internal inputs yeah. are equally filtered, yeah. if not more so. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Which is why I loved what you said earlier, Emily, about... Um, us not knowing what the thing is in our head that we're trying to communicate. <laughs> well, and, and the importance of getting it out and being able to see it outside of ourselves. Because then at least there's more of you to, you know, you're kind of looking at it in the outside world and potentially by sharing it, you get to benefit from other people. Well, like Winnie, Winnie the Pooh's experience, it's quite, when you have something in your head that feels quite thingish and it's different when, it's, when it gets out into the real world and has people looking at it. Yeah. But maybe, you know, maybe that thing needed to have people looking at it in order for it to be understood. You know, maybe you, you were wrong in, ha in what you thought that thing was. So it doesn't, you, know, you can read that quote and think, oh, someone's just bad at communicating. They've got it out, out into the real world and people aren't understanding it. It made sense in the head. So maybe it's a good thing that the thing that you thought makes, made sense in your head gets out into the real world and has people looking at it and laughing at it and it's revealed to make no sense at all. Maybe that wasn't an issue in communication. Maybe the thing 
really didn't make sense. Didn't make sense. I don't know. But I sometimes find the opposite in life, where things that people have said that just were nonsense, like they were clearly <laughs> definitely nonsense. Years later, I look at them and go, oh, I see what they meant. That's not actually nonsense. That's just not how I understood the words. And I can now see both sides of it. I can see why, if you look at it this way, that is total nonsense. But now I look at it this way, that's not nonsense at all. Was that poorly communicated? Mm, I don't think it was. I think Poorly received, maybe. Yeah, I think it, it, when I was younger, I I hadn't yet had the experiences that allowed me to understand what you were talking about. And and I think that was the, the point, as you say, some people say stuff and you go, oh, that's completely nonsense, and it is. But sometimes people say stuff and I go, that sounds like nonsense, but am I just not getting it? And I'm sure sometimes I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure many of us aren't. It's like the madman, isn't it? You know, you have someone who's ranting and raving. The earth isn't flat. Yeah, they're, the they're mad until the, the lizard men take off their human skin. <laughs> We're like, lock them up. Someone lock them up. How many, how many genius people were put into mental asylums because they were saying things that were mad and then we mm. realised, oh, they were right. What I think this brings into sharp relief is, you know, we, we are of an age relatively bright and educated people um, try to be good communicators and yet are very aware of how hard it can be to communicate effectively both as a communicator and a listener receiver of communication communicate um, Communicate e. Let's let's even do that. The communicator and the communicate e. <laughs> and you know, I I feel personally enlightened because um, you guys were able to articulate and bring to light a way in which, even though we are using agreed upon symbols, and they can be used correctly, that this whole human experience these filters that we use can end up translating and distorting that and and i i think that's that's a really key i think that almost is like the grand unified theory of communication like this has got to be a part of that that equation that, that lagrangian for the physics physicist out there repeat it huh? the filter there's there's got to be a yeah. symbol for the filter that's got to go into this grand unified Perception. theory Perspective, sorry. Well, let me try and summarise where I'm at there in the brand of we are talking about communication right now. So me as this brain, this entity, sat here, would deeply like to communicate to anybody who certainly made it towards this later stage of the podcast, apart from my heartfelt thanks, is it's not so much about the words that we are saying and the conversation that we are having that we are trying to impart knowledge and wisdom into other people what we want to impart is that same curiosity that we have and i think what i would love to be able to get out of this is for people listening to go away and have the same conversation with their friends and their family yeah. like yeah. Why, why do we struggle with communication? What is it that we 
why why is this such a problem what is your narrative yeah what is what What is is your narrative narrative? why why do i behave in this way why do you behave in that way why are we all so different you know and we're not here bringing answers (laughs) sorry about that sorry to disappoint we are here to bring curiosity and a little interest and excitement in the fact that there are so many fundamental questions that are really hard to answer but that doesn't mean we shouldn't ask them i'd go a step further in saying not just bringing our curiosity to anyone who's listening i'd also say like joining our curiosity with with their curiosity or even bringing their curiosity to us because i kind of think that stuff's already out there yeah i like um well I don't know. I think sometimes, I think sometimes I'm sure there'll be people listening to this thinking like, I've never thought about any of that, nor do I care. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because yeah. there is, we're talking about communication, but we are, we do have to acknowledge like the name of the podcast and everything. We do all have a similar, similar personality yeah. here where we're all, you know, we can get really up in, in our heads with all of these words and all of these ideas. It's also okay not to have all of that going on mm-hmm. and just to be yeah, a definitely. bit more chill than we are. Because that's kind of amazing too. It's a different filter, a different set of filters. Yeah. Mm. Different inter- internal narrative. Yeah, but also when you're talking about like having a personalised news feed, like do you just fill your space with people who are the same as you or not? So if you are someone who's listening, going, "That's all a bit much. My head doesn't work like that. I don't understand." I'm going to go and find someone to listen to who speaks more like I do, then I'd say, like, I'd encourage people like that to stick with it because, and I'd also try and find um, those spaces that are different to the spaces that I normally operate in because you've got to learn. We're we're talking about learning to put what's in our head into another head and not knowing what shape that head is. So you've got to get used to communicating with with heads that are shaped differently to yours. And if you're not going to push yourself into those spaces, then how is that going to happen? Mm. Maybe if we just communicate only in single syllables, then it, it'll be like sand. You can just then pour it into whatever shape rather than having like these whole sentences that don't fit in other people's heads. If all we do is like random, well, not random, we take a sentence and break it down into all its syllables and then just spit them out. Isn't like isn't that like that clip that we saw online, which was how, um, what it sounds like when foreigners hear people speaking English? Oh, yes, yeah. that's so cool. That's really well done. To somebody who's not a native English speaker mimic English, it like fe- we might go oi, 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 or whatever yeah. for a French person. That's really weird to hear back, but it's so recognisable, isn't it? Yeah. You hear it back and you're like, yeah, that's totally. You I feel mean, it's like usually quite RP it. vowel sounds, but like that's yeah. what people are exposed to yeah but that's an interesting thing you think you're, you're communicating clearly and that is actually what people are hearing <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly and that's what happens when you are speaking to a foreigner all of your words make total sense and they just hear you speaking foreign yeah perception but isn't that, isn't that what like communication is like every day yeah. like we're saying these words these words mean a certain thing the colour red is the colour red all of this is obvious in my head then someone else hears it and what do they hear Blah, 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 blah. You have been listening to anything, a negative entropy production, which basically means it was made on my dad's PC. The show starred Matt Aiken, Emily Garcies, Alex Willingham, that's my dad, and was recorded at Negative Entropy Studios, which is really my dining room.
congratulations on making it to the end of the podcast. Well done you. And if for some reason you've enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, leave a comment or whatever it is that you do nowadays. If you want to be part of this conversation, please consider checking out our Patreon for ad-free content, bonus material and access to our Discord channel. We are extremely grateful for your support.